Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, my eyes, ears, and all my limbs, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them. I remember more than 15 years ago when my daughter was in about first or second grade. I was asked to come in and talk about disabilities. As a nurse, I am familiar with such things. I spoke of deafness and related the issue I had in my right ear. I, I had and I still have difficulty hearing some frequencies due to hearing loss that probably resulted from using a string trimmer for way too many hours, way too close to my right ear. The gas motor just screaming a couple feet away. As we drove home from school that day, she was quiet, and then she asked me a simple question with deep concern. Dad, how long have you been deaf, and why haven't you told me? I was not deaf. I just couldn't hear certain frequencies in that ear. I related to the class how it impacted my job as a nurse because I had a hard time triangulating what direction different alarms were coming from in the unit. It did not impact my performance, but it was a nuisance. The possible good side was if sleeping I could lie down with that ear up and not hear noises that might keep me awake. But I could not hear birds either, and that is sad because the gift of hearing had been damaged. What a wonderful gifts our Father in heaven has given us and how often we in our sinfulness take them for granted. We use them in ways that are not edifying to God and to the faith we have been given versus hearing his word. We do not use them to the glory of our creator, but often use them to engage in flagrant sin. Mine was not so evil, but it was simply not protecting the gift I had been given. I did not know or think of doing it. Enter the story of Thomas. Doubting Thomas, if you go with the standard interpretation of Thomas not believing. Jesus appeared in the upper room and showed himself to the disciples without Thomas present. They saw his wounds and they believed. These disciples told Thomas they had seen the risen Lord, but he did not trust in their account. We are not told why Thomas was not with them when Jesus had appeared. He may have arrived late, but we are told they recounted the events to him, and he did not believe them. We also are not told in John's Gospel why they are all together a week later. It's quite possible they gathered after the death and resurrection of the Lord to console one another, to pray, to recount the words and teachings of Jesus to them, or hoping he would appear again as he had a week earlier. It could have been the earliest form of the church. After all, they had to be in a bit of trouble concerning where to go and what to do next. Peter's own words and confession confessed the loss they would have without him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They must have been asking, what does this mean in their pre-Pentecost time? Imagine their joy when Jesus first appears with them despite the door that is locked to keep others out. But Thomas is not there to share that joy. However, he is there this following week 
a week after the resurrection, and he has stated he will not believe until he has given the same testament they received. That is, to see Jesus with his own eyes and to even put his hands in the wounds Jesus had suffered. Hearing of Jesus being alive was not enough. It is quite possible, it's quite possibly this could be the thought process he was having. Unless I see just as you did, I am not one of you. I want to be, but I need to see, even touch my resurrected Lord. He wanted to believe, like they did, based on the same facts they had been given that were not in evidence for him. It could be argued that he is doubting and testing God. Even so, this only serves to show the rich grace and mercy of God in Christ, that Jesus would appear and show himself to Thomas, giving him the proof he so passionately desired. We are not told if Thomas actually touched Jesus, but in an act of mercy and grace, he was invited to do so. He was invited to touch him so that he might have faith. And as the gospel tells us, he did have faith, saying, My Lord and my God, what a great confession. But immediately following are Jesus' words to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. There is a change taking place, a change in the way Jesus will bring to faith not only the twelve apostles, but all who believe in him. Remember, the New Testament was being lived. It had not been written. John's words inspired by the Holy Spirit, the ones following immediately in verse 30, had not been written yet. They read, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Did you hear them? They are the words of St. John the Apostle. They were given for your hearing, to create faith in you. They were not there for Thomas. Thomas had not been there when Jesus spoke to the frightened disciples, breathing the Holy Spirit into them as he did so. Peace be with you, he said. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Peace be with you. What an absolution from God. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. But he did not say to Thomas, but he did say to Thomas, Do not disbelieve, but believe. With the immediate confession of Thomas, it could be argued that the very word that Christ spoke to him, that he heard, created the very faith he confessed, even as seeing Jesus could have. Surely it would be the apostles' words, first spoken at Pentecost and later recorded in Holy Scripture, all inspired by the Holy Spirit, that would create faith in those who would have ears to hear. Now, this same word is for you. The wonderful gifts of sight and hearing given by God enabled Thomas to see and hear his Lord, our Lord, and have faith. Jesus said that he had come so the blind may have sight and the deaf be made to hear. We were once deaf and blind. Blind, deaf, dead, enemies of God is what sin had wrought in us. But God in his mercy sent his son, the same son that stood before Thomas. Thomas has long been asleep in Jesus, but Jesus is still risen and alive. For Christ is risen, 
Amen. But even as we live a new life in Christ, the devil seeks to use the gifts God has given us to distract us and turn us away from the joys of the resurrection of Christ that we share with him in our baptism. He wants our eyes and our ears and all of our senses to turn from our creator to the created things, to idols. The sinful damage I did to my ears was the product of ignorance, even possibly thinking it won't happen to me. But there were far more sinful assaults on the gift God had given me at the time of my birth and gifts he has cared for since. Some the result of my own sinfulness and some the sins of others. Looking back, it was always the devil. Hey, shiny object over here. Always trying to take my eyes and ears and thoughts off of God, my creator, tempting me to use them to idolize his creation. What idols have you been tempted to set your sights and tune your ears into lately? Especially as you look for some normalcy or comfort in these social distancing, self-quarantining, mask-wearing days. What doubts have you had this past week or several weeks? What worries have you had? The devil wants us to trust in that which is totally untrustworthy. Anything but Jesus, you can imagine him saying in our time of trial, we find ourselves doubting, but tr- doubting versus trusting. Anything except us looking to God's word and his gifts. He would have us place our trust anywhere else versus turning to God and with faith in him asking real questions and seeking strength. Why God? Why is all of this going on? That's an honest question. Help my faith in you, Lord. Help me to trust in you alone. Lord, keep me safe in all of this. Remind me that death cannot harm me. Christ Jesus, our Lord, knows this COVID thing inside out. Rest assured in knowing that. From the beginning to the end and the complete metal, he knows it. He will work his good and perfect will even in this pandemic. His church, we his body, will survive because the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is, prevail against us. How is that possible, you might ask? It is because even in death, we are victorious. The church is victorious. We are victorious because Christ, the Christus victor, has been victorious in our place and has granted all the benefits of his victory to us. He has freely forgiven our sins, given us faith, and eternal life. I'm amazed, and I give praise to God that within our congregation, none have been knocked low or died of this virus. That may change, but even so, death is not new. It awaits all of us at some point, and there are families in our congregation who have loved ones who have died of other causes while all of this is going on. In faith, their souls are asleep in Jesus, apart from their bodies. In our Old Testament lesson, Ezekiel is given the vision of dry bones that he is to prophesy to. He does. And the bones are joined together with muscles and tendons and flesh. I always think of looking at anatomy books when I was in school at this point. But like the images in the books, or like lifeless models of human form, they are lifeless bodies. Then he is told to prophesy to the breath that may may come into these inanimate, lifeless bodies. He did. He did. And life came to them, a great army. 
It was a sign of the resurrection to a people that did not have faith in God that were doubting. It was a sign of the promise of eternal life that would come through the promise of the one spoken of by the prophet. And now Christ is risen. We have the sign, testimony, and the word of God that we may hear and believe. We may believe what we, that we are a loved We may believe that when we or a loved one dies in Christ, that is with faith in what he has done, with his glorious death on the cross and proven with his resurrection, with faith in his making us co-heirs with him in his kingdom via his work in us through baptism with water and his word, that is faith that is strengthened by hearing his word and receiving his sacraments of the altar, his body and blood. When we die in this faith, we never die. We have already died with Christ and have been raised to eternal life even now. We live it now and not yet. We suffer because of sin, our own and that of others, but we live with a sure hope. No, really, we live in a reality that this life is not the end. We live, in, we live that reality at the altar of our Lord where we sing, the whole, we sing with the holy apostles, with St. Thomas, the martyrs, and all the company of heaven, including our loved ones that have gone before us, all of them around the altar with us. We sing, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. With faith in Christ Jesus, and at the hearing of his word, we are bold to say, like Thomas, my Lord and my God, we believe our trust is in you. Grant us strength to resist the evil one and his temptations. Come quickly, Lord, and save us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.